It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you it was supposed to be easy. Welcome in. We are live on this Friday post-NFL draft, and, well, we are all sort of just reacting here on this Friday to what the Falcons did at number eight overall. Get to that in just a moment. Maria Martin, my friend from 11 Alive, uh, is going to join us. We actually pre-recorded last night right after the draft because it was best for her schedule. So you'll hear that coming up next. We reacted to the draft and Ronald Acuna back with the Atlanta Braves. We've got a lot to do here on this Friday. Appreciate you starting your Friday with us here on A to Z and making Locked On Sports Atlanta part of your everyday sports listen. So, Yesterday on the show, I kind of explained to you how things were going to go, right? And to my credit, I don't want to like break my arm patting myself on the back here. But to my credit, I talked about what was going to be available at number eight for the Falcons. Because if it wasn't one of the three DNs, who all three were taken, and it wasn't one of the two corners, who both of them were taken, then one of the three offensive linemen was going to be there for them to take. And that was okay with me. Charles Cross from Mississippi State was the offensive lineman who was there. Now, all three DNs were gone. And that meant Jermaine Johnson was the next best defensive end. And so as they were sitting there, and as the draft was unfolding, I actually tweeted out last night, and I did it sort of sarcastically, that Charles Cross and Jermaine Johnson were both going to be there at eight. My guess is the Falcons will stupidly take a wide receiver. Oh. Boy, sometimes it sucks being right. <laughs> and they did. And Drake London is the guy. Now, again, I, I told you guys this entire week leading up to it. I said it last week leading up to the draft, how much I hated the idea of taking a wide receiver. My puke factor was zero. And I just, I, I don't get a good feeling about the process. Like, that's what this is about. It's not about whether Drake London is going to be a good wide receiver. I think he's talented. Hell, I told people and all the betting shows that I do, Drake London was going to be the first wide receiver off the board. Take it. Take the bet. He's absolutely going to be the first wide receiver off the board. I was right. And he was. Because big-bodied wide receivers like him weren't easily you know, found in this draft. He is just a large human being. He's got the body type of Mike Evans in the NFL. 6'4", 220 pounds, just a matchup nightmare from a size standpoint to a lot of teams. And we talked about how much Arthur Smith had A.J. Brown when he was in Tennessee, and that type of big body wide receiver was tough. Not the fastest guy, but that's okay. And I get it, the red zone targets, and I get what Arthur Smith wants to create. I do. I, I, I get the logic of Drake London being their pick. I, I, I can buy the logic. But to me, I can't buy into the process of the rebuild. It's just backwards at this point. You don't have anybody to block. You don't have a running game to set up the pass. And you don't have a long-term solution at quarterback that's going to be throwing Jake, uh, Drake London the ball. I, I, that's the part that, that 
bothers me. It seems like things went out of step here. I, I don't doubt that wide receiver was a need. My good friend Mike Rothstein from ESPN, ESPN.com from the Perch Podcast said it was the second biggest need on the team. I tend to disagree. I don't think it was the second biggest need. I think that the biggest needs were in the trenches. Either somebody who can protect the quarterback or get to the quarterback. Look at one of the worst teams in the NFL, the New York Giants. What did they do with their two first-round picks? Go get somebody who can get to the quarterback in Kayvon Thibodeau and somebody who could protect the quarterback in Evan Neal. I mean, again, it's, it's not about doing what other teams think you should do or fans think you should do. There is a process to a rebuild. And if you weren't going to take the quarterback, which I get and I understand, there were other pieces there to take other than Drake London at eight overall. And, and they tried to sell us on it last night. And I'm, I, I just, it's hard for me to buy in. I'm not saying he wasn't the best player available. I'm not saying he's not the best wide receiver in this draft. I'm not saying any of those things. What I'm questioning here is the process. Because if you had sat down with Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith and asked them, how do you construct a roster before they had taken over the Falcons? I guarantee you they both would have said, well, you need to get your quarterback fixed. Okay, then do that. Then after that, you need to get, you know, people who can protect the quarterback and, and, and build in the trenches and, and go get pass rushers and corners. It's it, the four most important positions on the football field by a large margin on the offense, the two most important are quarterback and left tackle. And on defense, the two most important are edge rusher, pass rusher, and cornerback. There were a lot of those guys available that you passed on for a wide receiver. It just, that's the part that bothers me. I'm over being mad about the pick. I genuinely am. It's it, it's Friday. I'm over being mad about the pick. And, and as I said multiple times, guys, this is about the totality of the draft. And coming up later, we'll get into the options for the Falcons um, on day two and day three of the draft and what they can do. And so I, I stick to that, that it is still about the totality of the NFL draft. It's still about what they're going to do with the entirety of all seven rounds of this draft and how they're going to get players because they need players everywhere. Can they still find a viable defensive end? Sure. But when first rounders make up nearly 30% of starters in the NFL, it's really important that you get that first rounder be, to be an impact guy. Drake London can only be an impact guy as much as Marcus Mariota can find him and get him the ball. And that's as much as the offensive line can protect Mariota to be able to throw him the ball. Now, taking a pass rusher doesn't make the offense any better, but I also didn't waste. I don't want to say waste. That's not the right word. I also didn't use a first-round pick on somebody whose sole job is just to catch the ball from the quarterback. That's the problem. Again, I'm over it. I'm not going to be mad. Uh, I, I do not agree that this was the right move from a process standpoint. You want to sell me on Drake London as a pick that makes sense and that he was part of a need and that he's in the red zone. I get the logic of all of it. I just don't agree that it was the right step in the process. And oh, by the way, I'll add one more thing. 
because there is this, and last night was emblematic of this, right? Like wide receivers, whoosh, dead wrong on thinking they were going to be under six and a half wide receivers in this draft uh, in the first round. They flew off the board fast. The Falcons actually started the run. And uh, there is this notion now in the NFL, and, and this is happening, so pay attention to it, but wide receivers are now becoming the second highest paid position in the NFL behind quarterback. And teams don't want to pay exorbitant salaries to wide receivers. Hence why the Ravens dumped Marquise Brown, the Titans dumped A.J. Brown, because all of these guys are going to want and command high-level, high-dollar salaries that are going to eat up part of your cap. And what teams realize is that wide receivers, while important, um, to give them that percentage of your salary cap, comparatively speaking, to quarterback, left tackle, pass rusher, defensive back slash cornerback is not the most useful way to allocate your cap percentages. They know that. They know that. Look at the teams that, that have been winning Super Bowls. Did the Rams have a high-priced, high-paid wide receiver? No, that wasn't Odell Beckham Jr. The Rams didn't pay him. They got the tail end of his salary after he had been moved twice. Okay, he wasn't high-priced. They didn't have a high-priced wide receiver. Certainly, certainly wasn't Cooper Cup. Did the Chiefs have a high-priced wide receiver when they won the Super Bowl? Nope, because Tyreek Hill hadn't gotten paid yet. I mean, it's just not a very good use of your cap when there are other things around. So there is this desire for teams to, to get talented wide receivers, keep them cheap, keep them young, and get that 50-year control and part of the reason why the Falcons probably went that way. And I get that. But is that fifth year of control really going to matter? Because who knows where you're going to be at? That's assuming you're getting out of the rebuild in three years. And remember, folks, this is year zero of the rebuild. This year doesn't count. So you're wasting a year of Drake London on a year that you know you cannot win. That he cannot truly be the impact that you want a first-round pick to be because you can't do anything this year because you don't have a roster good enough. Next year will be year one, and he'll already be on year two of his contract. And then, oh, by the way, you're likely changing quarterbacks next year or the year after. That's the other biggest reason why none of this makes sense. You're going to waste two years of them in years you can't be competitive, and then you're changing quarterbacks on him, and there's no guarantee that any value he brings at that point in time is going to be able to be maximized with a young new quarterback if that's the road you're going down. There's a lot of question marks around it, and that to me, again, is why the process is backwards, and that's troublesome for me. That's why I have an issue with this pick. has nothing to do with Drake London over anybody else per se. has everything to do with the process of rebuilding this team, and I don't know at this point in time, I don't feel good about their process and the order in which they're rebuilding this franchise. And that's really why it was supposed to be easier. It really was. All right, coming up next, Maria Martin of 11 Alive joined me last night. Right after the draft, we talked about the Falcons and Georgia Bulldogs and Ronald Acuna returning 
to the Braves lineup. That's next right here on A to Z on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back in A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta as we are post NFL draft and reacting. And joining me right now, she's had one busy 24 hours. Uh, she, I think, is still technically Atlanta's best sports broadcaster, but I get to call her a coworker now because technically. We work for the same company, uh, Sportscaster for 11 Live. It is Maria Martin joining us here on A to Z. Maria, welcome. Always great to have you. Finally, I get to be in the host chair, and you have to sit here and listen to my questions. I'm excited about it because normally I'm the one getting yeah. to ask you questions, and that was one heck of an intro. Next time that I'm the host, I feel like I gotta, you know, give you a better intro. Got that was up my intro, yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a one upper. It just tends to happen <laughs> that way. As we see, you know, again, we are here right now, right post the NFL draft. Uh, it's been a, a crazy day for you as you're still in the studio yeah. uh, at 11 Alive, but. Uh, I know you were out at Trayvon Walker's party and you had Ronald Acuna tonight and everything else. So your draft coverage was a little bit sort of not focused on the Falcons, but clearly you saw the pick and the reaction to it. So what was your reaction to the Falcons taking wide receiver Drake London at eight overall? Well, do you want me to start with what I thought the Falcons should have done? Yeah, let's I can go tell you that. Okay. Um, because we all, we all like to play GM in this uh, scenario, right? Because it, that's just fun. That's what the NFL draft is all about. And I'm no expert, but I thought that the Falcons should have traded down and the reason for that, and they could have gotten a receiver later. They just need everything right now. And so I think by trading down, you would have opened yourself up to getting a lot more picks. I didn't think it was out of the realm of possibility that they were going to take a receiver at eight overall. I was just a little um, shocked and surprised, I think, as everybody else was on Twitter, because really he wasn't even the best receiver available. And they did start the flurry of receivers. You saw everybody took yeah. a couple of receivers after the Falcons uh, picked him up, but he was the first off the board that night um, or tonight. And I just think it's interesting because obviously there is a need for wide receiver, given the fact that Calvin Ridley is no longer going to be playing for the Falcons this season or the foreseeable future. Maybe we'll never see him again. I, we're not sure. So there is an obvious immediate need for a wide receiver for the Falcons and Marcus Mariota or whoever is going to be the quarterback does need help. And I do think that this does give immediate help, but they need so many things. So I would have liked to see them move down and grab a couple more picks. Um, but shocked, I think, is the good word for me. And I think Twitter Twitter's more disappointed than shocked, I think, right? Yeah, I think disappointed is fair. Uh, I think there's a lot of people on Twitter, and the best analogy I can come up with is that you have a broken car and there are yeah. a lot of things wrong with it. And instead of addressing the engine and the transmission, you decided to put new rims on your tires first, um, yeah. you know, a new paint job. I mean, these were things that felt like it was done a little bit out of order, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people maybe felt that way in last year's draft as well, too. Um, you know, they picked Kyle Pitts when they had a first round pick as well. And a lot of people thought that they needed some other needs above that, above the tight end. Um, so it's interesting. I do think that there were some obvious needs that were a little bit should have been more prioritized rather than the wide receiver. Like I think they need edge or an offensive tackle more than they need a wide receiver at this point, um, because you do have a couple of weapons in the Falcons that you can use Cordero Patterson. You can use them kind of wherever in this scheme that Arthur Smith has built kind of around this offense so far. And of course you've got Kyle Pitts who is just getting into the very beginning of his NFL career. So uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty good analysis. Zeno, I think that putting new rims on a car and just trying to make it look good and old car is kind of what they did 
Yeah, certainly. And again, it's not, uh, you know, a, a, a good start. I think a lot of Falcons fans feel to the draft, but yeah. it was a very good night for the Georgia Bulldogs, the defending national champions. You get four first round picks going, you know, a lot of people thought there was going to be more, uh, but it's still Trevon Walker gets a number one overall pick. You were at his draft celebration. So clearly he was elated at being the number one overall pick because nobody two weeks ago really had him slated as the number one guy to go. But here we are, Georgia Bulldog number one overall. Listen, that's what I think is so fascinating about the Trayvon pick is because just a couple of weeks ago, nobody thought that this kid was going to go number one overall. In fact, a lot of people nationally, I mean, we know who Trayvon is here, of course, and he dominated at Georgia in his senior year in particular. It was his first year as a starter ever, which is crazy because you're picking up a guy number one overall who's only started in college for one year fully at the defensive end position. So um, I think it's interesting. Uh, he's clearly incredible and he's very versatile defensively I think he's going to bring a lot to the pass rush for the Jaguars a team that needs a lot of help as well this is their second consecutive year with that number one overall pick uh but yeah he's super excited uh he even said he was a little bit surprised when he got the phone call and I believe that because just two weeks ago we had no idea that Trayvon was even in the conversation as coming number one off the board but um you know he was one of the difference makers in a very prolific Georgia defense perhaps the best ever that we're going to see in college football so unfortunately those guys are coming off the board for Kirby Smart. He's going to have to reload on the defense, and I think he'll be able to do that. But good for Trayvon Walker. Uh, probably a part of him might be sad he's going to Jacksonville. Hopefully not, because you know, he's going to get paid and all that. But uh, off he goes, number one overall. I'm pretty surprised. On the bright side for him, I guess he's played the cocktail party a couple of times, so he knows the stadium <laughs> yeah, fairly right. well. But then Jordan Davis ends up in Philadelphia, and Quay Walker and uh, – um, why am I blanking? Oh, God. Devontae Wyatt. Devontae Wyatt. Wyatt, thank you. Uh, yeah. Both go to Green Bay, so uh, they end up in the same team. And, uh, look, it was a banner night for the Georgia defense. Now there's still some names left to be bandied about as we head into the second round. And who knows? Maybe the Falcons, one of their two picks, could end up with a Georgia Bulldog. I guess that would be fitting and at least, you know, uh, appease the fans a little bit, right? Yeah, I think so. You know, I, what I've seen within this whole last week is that all Falcons fans wanted were Georgia guys. I mean, and of course, because that's who people are fans of around here. I, I saw Jordan Davis as a need that they wanted, even Nicobe Dean, who's still out there, which would be great. Um, he could be a great addition for the Falcons, you know, um, but I, I, it'd be great to get a Georgia guy on the Falcons, but we'll see. Yeah, uh, but there's this myth out there that the Falcons don't like to take Georgia players and <laughs> Well, a lot of them are good. I mean, look, there's still Lewis Sign out there. Uh, you know, yeah. and you mentioned to Kobe Dean. Uh, Pickens is still out there as a possibility sure. uh, at wide receiver. But they don't need wide receiver because they drafted one at eight overall, which I'm still not all that content with. I, I, I just, again, I can't really swallow the fact that you passed up on an offensive tackle. You passed up on a DN. Oh, by the way, and Jermaine Johnson, it didn't go to like 24. I know. I was pretty surprised um, you know, by that. And, and you know, you could argue, too, that, that maybe they got it right in that sense. Like, if so many other teams passed them at 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, all the way into the mid-20s, maybe yeah. a lot of other teams were seeing the same things that the Falcons saw uh, in, in not taking them with that pick. But it's just one of those where I just feel – all I asked for, Maria, was that – they made it easy on themselves. Like, I don't know many people that would have second-guessed the Jermaine Johnson pick at eight, right? Like, that sure. would have been the one that everybody would have been like, okay, I understand it. I get it. This is where the guy's projected. I mean, everybody had him projected as a top 12 pick, right? And so the fact that he fell to 24, I think, is is telling. But still, 
Uh, sometimes those guys who fall like that end up having much better careers and you end up eating it for letting them go. No, it's true. I've, I was having this conversation with someone the other day when we talk about these top draft picks. A lot of the times, all these guys that go 1 through 10, 1 through 12, whatever you want to say, don't pan out to be what we expect them to be, right? And so a lot of those diamonds in the rough or the gems come in those later rounds and even in the later rounds of the first round. So, um, I mean, when a guy slides like Jermaine did, obviously the clear projection of that is that something was happening and teams were all on the same page they saw something whether it would be i don't know i mean it could be anything we don't know we'll never know maybe um so i thought it was interesting when i started to see him slide i was like okay maybe i started to believe the falcons a little bit in this moment that they didn't pick jermaine because i thought he might have been a good pick at eight um i still think you could have gone tackle you could have gone tackle at eight and everybody probably would have been super excited about that yep. because there is a very strong immediate need for tackle tomorrow for the Falcons. Um, Evan Neal, of course, comes off the board first. He's incredible. He's a freak of nature, and he will be obviously amazing at the next level. Um, so I don't know. I mean, they could have gone Charles Cross. They could have. He was available, but um, it didn't happen. Yeah, uh, and we're doing this right now post-draft on Thursday night. I know a lot of you guys are listening to this on Friday afternoon, midday, whatever it is, but Lewis Sign actually goes 20, 32nd overall to the Minnesota Vikings. So now five Georgia play was taken in the first round. Nicobe Dean, kind of the one guy on the defense that's left now, uh, and the Falcons have two picks. And, you know, again, I don't necessarily know they need to take him. They certainly need inside linebacker help, right? Yeah. Uh, that was the other position outside of, of wide receiver. I felt like they couldn't go at eight. I was okay with offensive tackle. I was okay with cornerback. I was okay certainly with a pass rusher. It was just wide receiver and inside linebacker where I didn't want them to go. And we'll see about the quarterback situation. If you had to handicap it, you still have Malik Willis, <laughs> Deadman Ritter, Desmond Ritter, and Matt Corral all there. Um, now, you have some teams in the second round that are, are a little quarterback needy after all these crazy trades that went on, uh, including the Houston Texans who will pick before them. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks picked twice before the Falcons. So it is possible that – and maybe even the Buccaneers picking at 33 now would take a quarterback just because they know Tom Brady may be on his last year. But given all that said – um, you know, there's still a chance that a quarterback could come off the board for the Falcons with the 11th pick in the second round. Well, and that's a good point because earlier in the week, general manager Terry Fontenot said, you know, we may come out of this draft with a quarterback. He did not say that that meant the first round. And I think a lot of people maybe misinterpreted that a little bit. He said the draft and he didn't guarantee that they would come out of the draft with a quarterback. He just said it is a possibility. He said they could get him in free agency. Of course, I'll, I'll, obviously all of us know that. Um, one win, I will say for the Falcons tonight, has to do with a quarterback. They didn't put a, pick a quarterback at eight. That is a win for me because I thought that would have been a reach at eight. I didn't really like this quarterback draft class. I mean, we've seen only one came off the board in the first round, and that was Kenny Pickett. And there's a reason for that. I didn't think that this was a very strong quarterback class collectively. However, if you pick somebody in the second round at the third round, who knows? Maybe they prove me wrong and they pan out to be something fantastic. Malik Willis, he is a guy from right around here. You know, maybe you pick him up in a later round. It's possible. So um, I'm just glad that they didn't reach for a quarterback. That was my biggest concern um, because I felt like maybe last year a tight end was a reach, even though, granted, if we, I don't want to get too much into the weeds of last year's draft, but if you remember, all those quarterbacks were flying off the board. And so in their belief, I'm sure 
they didn't get the guy that they wanted. And so they were going to go to the next obvious need. Well, this year, I thought that it would have been a, a reach no matter what. And so I think that's a win for the Falcons. I'm not happy necessarily with the wide receiver off the board at eight. But however, they didn't pick a quarterback. So I'm happy that is a win for me and a win for the Falcons. All right. Well, let's uh, pivot from disappointment to elation, a.k.a. <laughs> the Falcons to the Braves uh, and Ronald Acuna, who came yeah. back tonight. Uh, for the Atlanta Braves, I mean, look, the excitement around him coming back was off the charts, right? Like sure. everybody was waiting for this to happen. Uh, he is back. It was a good night in the sense that he just played. He got nine innings in, feels comfortable, looks good. So what was kind of the general reaction around Ronald Acuna from the, not only the media, but just everybody around, Truist Park and, and, and the fans and, 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 and his teammates? Well, it's been such a crazy 24 hours, like you said, when I first came on for me personally, because I was with Ronald Acuna in Gwinnett last night. And then I was with him at Truist today because, you know, we didn't really think that he was going to be called up today. The obvious um, answer from the Braves is that they his projected start date or return date was going to be May 6th, which is next Friday. Then there were kind of some rumblings and maybe he'd be available on Monday. And it's funny because I look over in the stands behind home plate where the scouts usually are, and I see general manager Alex Anthony watching him and of course his first at bat in Gwinnett last night he gets on base he gets a hit an infield uh single and now he's ready and he he's he's in Atlanta and he's back it's been 292 games without him it, it feels so long especially a team that really needs a spark like genuinely needs something good to happen and hey they won which is great not saying that's because of Acuna but he brings a lot of energy and emotion to the game everybody knows that and of course you know just what he is as a baseball player but aside from that you know he brings energy he brings spark um he's obviously great to be around all the people and and all the fans and players love that he's back in the clubhouse it's funny because I happened to walk in with him at the same time today. That was completely by accident. We were there super early and, you know, he's throwing peace signs and just smiling real big. And I posted a picture on Twitter and he is just beaming like crazy. You can tell he just loves baseball so much. And I think that everybody's missed that. Um, of course, they're they're going to be ready to see him go yard. He didn't do that tonight. So hopefully that happens soon. But uh, I mean, the Braves have sorely missed this dude. It's it's they won a World Series without him. But still, everybody's got to be super stoked to have him back. Uh, real quick, and again, yeah, I, I know there was some consternation after, and Acuna said he plans on playing tomorrow on Friday. Again, we're recording this Thursday night after the draft, but um, the, the intention is for him to play again, you know, in back-to-back -back days. They're, they're not going to rest him. I mean, what's the sort of – did Brian Sticker indicate if there would be a rest plan, a DH plan kind of deal for him? Yeah, I don't know, to be honest with you, because I didn't hear. But um, I will say that even in Gwinnett last night, he continued to reiterate to me personally that he feels better than he did prior to tearing the ACL, which is scary for everyone in baseball. Um, and and I asked him, I said, is there is there any reason why you feel that way? And he just said, no. I mean, a lot of it was he had extra time to train because normally in a regular season, he doesn't have as much time to focus on the little things and just his body. And he just said that by taking that extra time, he feels a lot better. He feels different. Nothing really schematically has changed for Acuna. He's done the same things he's done every single year in the off season, but there's been more of an emphasis on his training. And he said, that's made the difference. So he kept saying he felt good. And really the goal last night or two nights ago, since everyone's listening to this on Friday, Two nights ago in Gwinnett, when he had that rehab start, it was his home debut for the Stripers. The goal was for him to go seven innings. He went nine, and because he wanted to go nine, the Braves did not want him to go nine, and he did. And so I think that that was the clear indication, I'm ready. That was him telling them, I can run around in right field. I can field balls. I can hit. I can do everything you want me to do. I'm ready. I'm back. I'm healthy. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's going to be full go for Ronald. And 
the only person holding him back would be the Braves just because they want to try to ease him in. And um, even the Gwinnett Stripers manager told me he's been going a little bit harder than someone that I would recommend has torn their ACL and is easing back into baseball, but he keeps looking at me and telling me I'm okay. So they don't really try to reel him back in. So uh, I think it's full go with Ronald. You know how he is. I mean, literally my producer, Megan, just reminded me he rolled up in an ambulance today to Churis Park. We asked him, why the heck did you do that? And he just said he wanted to do something different. It was his style. So it, it, it's Acuna. He's flashy. We love him. He's back. It's great. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, nothing like playing a prank on everybody your first day back at work. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, I listen, uh, thank you so much for the time. I, I know it's been a crazy day for you. Uh, I, I know my audience appreciates you giving me some time and certainly a lot of great insight and perspective. She is Atlanta's best sports reporter. It is Maria Martin. You're the best girl. Thank you so much for the time. Certainly appreciate it. You, uh, you go get some rest and enjoy yourself. I am going to be tanning all day and by the pool. So if you need me, I won't be tweeting. I know you're the best. Thanks. Appreciate there you it. go. Thank you very much. All right. Maria Martin from 11 Alive. We'll be right back here on A to Z on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you search Locked On Sports Atlanta. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Welcome back to A to Z here on Locked on Sports Atlanta here on this Friday. Free on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast search, Locked on Sports Atlanta. I am Mark Zeno. This is A to Z. Appreciate you guys making A to Z part of your every single day Atlanta sports listen. The Locked on Network has so many great things going on. You know, we talked with Grant McCauley yesterday, a host of the Braves postcast. Of course, we got ATL Day Ones with Jarvis Davis and Tanitra Batiste, hitting hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Falcons, Locked on Hawks. So many great shows on this platform. Appreciate you guys really following us and give me a follow on Twitter at Mark Zeno and at Locked On ATL. Locked On ATL, uh, not Locked On Sports, but search Locked On Sports Atlanta at Locked On ATL on Twitter. But again, make sure you guys are keeping up with all the shows here on the platform. This has been a lot of fun, and we certainly appreciate you guys making us uh, a big part of your everyday sports listening. So again, thank you, get thank you, thank you, thank you so much. All right. Falcons uh, start day two of the draft here tonight, and uh, they still have, obviously, Saturday, day three. And so because we are sitting here with Drake London and they have addressed wide receiver, at least to some measure, they're going to have two picks here in this second round. The first one comes at 11 overall. Now, I tweeted this out last night, and this is just a gut feeling at this point. Maybe they are taking quarterback. Maybe they they genuinely are going to look – uh, to take a quarterback here in the second round. And and I will say this much, at least if they're doing that, at least if they are going to take a quarterback here in the second round, it tells me that at least that they are trying to address the process based off of value necessarily over priority. And what I mean by that is, is that, you know, Drake London at, eight is a better value than a quarterback anywhere in the first round, even though a quarterback priority wise is more important. The Falcons pick 11th overall in the second round, 43rd overall in the entire draft. Now the teams in front of them that could conceivably need quarterbacks, right? Are 
Tampa, believe it or not, I think that's real because Tom Brady's got one year left. Um, the Texans and the Seahawks have two picks in front of them. There are three major quarterbacks still left. Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, and Matt Corral. If the Falcons want to be sure that they get their guy, they're going to have to move up because I think somebody is taking those quarterbacks there. If not, there are teams in the in the second round, like the Lions, who were 14th overall in the second round, 46th overall in the draft, just three slots behind that could jump up and go get a quarterback because they've got draft capital to expend, right? Like they 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 have a the ability to do it. Um and maybe the Falcons are willing to give away their other second-round pick just to move up a little bit uh, and make sure they get their guy. The Saints are also picking 17th in the second round, 49th overall. That's a team that could jump up. They're not afraid to move anywhere. They they are very, very aggressive. Uh, so, I mean, there, there's a lot of different options out there in the second round. There's really nobody else in the second round right now that needs a quarterback uh, that is willing to go get one. Maybe the Giants could take one knowing that Daniel Jones um, is not getting his fifth-year option picked up and give him a little competition. Uh, that's also a possibility, but it's it's all there. So if they want a quarterback, they probably can't sit back until 11 unless, of course, they're willing to just hope one of them falls. And you know my thoughts on hoping a quarterback falls to you. I think it's just an awful, awful strategy when drafting a quarterback. But I go back to what I said repeatedly, that this whole thing is about the totality of the draft and what they do. Are their pass rushers still available? Absolutely. Are their offensive linemen still available? Sure are. Are their corners still available? Yep. They'll still be able to continue to build out this roster uh, and make this a overall good draft. You can't condemn it yet. I, I get the disappointment at eight, but this is about them trying to figure out how they're going to, to get as many starters as possible in this draft. And while a quarterback might not be there to start, it would be interesting as all get out for them to take a quarterback and have a good quarterback competition heading into training camp. And it's smart to have a quarterback in a system for a year at this point, especially being a second round guy. There's none of that pressure to make him start right away um, that he can, you know, get, his feet under him, learn the system, and, and learn um, with some of the younger guys on the team that he's going to theoretically grow with over the next couple of years. I, I, to me, again, if you're going to go all in on wide receiver, then back it up with quarterback. That is kind of just the way I look at the the logic and the process that makes the most sense. Uh, at this point, you know, when when you when you left high end pass rushers, high end offensive linemen. Um, and, and, you know, with, with even a center going in the first round for crying out loud. And I get it, you know, you, you don't take a center at eight overall, but still, uh, this is one of these things where you left the best safety on the board. You left the best center on the board. You left the fourth best pass rusher on the board. You left the, the third best corner on the board. Like all these things you left out there in favor of wide receiver. Well, at this point, go completely counterculture and just go grab the quarterback. That, that to me, at least says the process, while you don't have to agree with it, uh, there's a plan. Like, I feel like that's more of a plan. If you just fall back on, well, let's get a pass rusher because we need one. Well, let's get an offensive tackle because we need one. Like, to me, it just, I think you need those more than you need wide receiver. And that, to me, is part of the problem. Like, if you're going to not go prioritize the most important positions at the highest level of the draft, well, 
then why are you going to do it in the middle rounds of the draft? Because you're not expecting those guys to have the biggest impact. I, I hope they at least go quarterback. Honestly, I, I, at this point, I do. Go get Matt Corral. I, I hope he's there for them. If, it, if he falls to them at 11, great. I don't really think, I, I think two of those quarterbacks will go very early in the second round within the first six or seven picks. And that's when the Falcons may have to get nervous and jump in front of somebody and make a deal. So that's my hope for tonight, honestly. My hope is that they end up with a quarterback. I don't, I, I don't really care which one at this point. Because you went all in on wide receiver, go all in on quarterback, and, and let those two guys learn to play together early on. I guess we'll figure out the blocking thing later. Whatever, that's fine. We'll figure out the pass rush thing later. That's fine as well. But that's my only guess as to what should happen on day two uh, and, and, and go finding a quarterback there. We'll see what happens uh, between the second and third rounds with the Atlanta Falcons. Make sure you guys hit me up on Twitter, at Mark Zinno. Love to hear your thoughts uh, on Drake London and the entire Falcons draft. Make sure you guys give us a follow. Uh, it's been an interesting week, to say the least. We will be back on Monday to break it all down. Thanks for making A to Z your first listen every day. Make your second listen. Hitting hard with John Chuckery, the Atlanta sports stalker, right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. search Locked On Sports Atlanta. You guys have a wonderful weekend. Be back on Monday. We'll talk to you then. Have a great weekend. Don't take any crap from anybody. See you. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.